All right. You can say more hellos under the angel wing afterwards or in your Sunday school classes, but you can sit down for now. As you do, I'll pray for us one more time. We're so grateful uh, to be together this morning and to be reading your word and to be fellowshipping with one another and singing your praises and praying together and celebrating infant baptism. Such a, a rich morning reminding us of what the community of God looks like being your people, belonging to one another, belonging to you, um, such a gift. So would you teach us this morning through your word, um, through the prophet Ezekiel, um, through the lips of Jesus as he tells us who he is. We're grateful to be here, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Normally, uh, we would say out of reverence for the word of God, would you stand with us? But there's about 30 verses here. So I am trying to be generous. <laughs> And I would love for you to be thinking more about the text than about when is this going to be over. <laughs> Not that you would. So let's read from the book of Ezekiel chapter 34 this morning as we think about the good shepherd. The word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over, uh, over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Verse 11, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie, uh, there they will lie down in good grazing land, and they, there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring, bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Verse 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and he will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season there will be showers of blessing. 
The trees will yield their fruit and the grounds will yield its crops. The people will be secure in the land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. They will no longer uh, be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nation. That I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. That's pretty much the whole sermon. You could just read this a couple more times. Uh, I could be done. But if you know me, you know that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm going to be up here for a bit. Um, anytime we, we hear the, the scriptures talk about sheep, or really anytime we hear uh, sheep talked about in general, I'm sure a few things pop into mind, um, right? One, one of them being sheep are normally pretty dumb. Yeah, it's okay to use that word. They're, they're dumb. Um, they're not the smartest animals. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And so I, I felt like I had to bring in some sheep stories because they're, they're really like the only farm animal that continues to make it on social media, like over and over again, because of their dumbness. And so um, there's this flock of sheep and they're, you know, hanging out in France as sheep do. And this woman is coming, jogging by, and she's just on a normal you know, morning jog, that's really all she's interested in. And she bumps into this flock of sheep. And what do those sheep do? They say, are you my mother? <laughs> they, they look at this poor woman who's just out for nothing more than a jog. And they say, we should definitely follow her. And that is exactly what happens. This poor woman just keeps going. And then she has a flock of sheep. It's a heist, honestly, like she stole them. I think I have a picture of it. Maybe, maybe not. There they are. Look at this poor lady. I bet her time got thrown way off, right? She's just looking back like, what is going on here? This other person caught this on camera, right? Sheep are dumb, right? They're not the smartest animals. Um, there's, there's plenty of other sheep stories we could talk about, but for whatever reason, this is a primary metaphor utilized throughout scripture to help us understand who we are and who God is. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. We've been in this series called Jesus in the Old Testament. And so a lot of what's in the Old Testament are stories and pictures and metaphors trying to help us understand who this God really is and what he wants for us and what he wants with us and, and who we are as his people. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about you as sheep. So sorry, right, right off the bat. Um, me as sheep, you as sheep, but also the good shepherd. We're gonna talk about the good shepherd this morning and spoiler alert, it's Jesus. Okay, so we'll get there, but we'll, we'll, it'll be more laborious than that. We'll take our time. So Ezekiel 34 I just read it for you, but the first whole section of this passage, um, it, it can be summed up with the words, woe to you. Is that a good thing? Is that what you want to hear out of the mouth of the Lord? Woe to you. It's never what you want to hear. Woe to you, shepherds of my flock. What you were meant to be doing is shepherding, and what you've done instead is something entirely different. 
It's a sad text. A number of those first verses are really sad, and it's, it's pointed at the leadership of Israel and, and who's been appointed to lead these folks and what they ought to be doing. And so really this whole first section could just be summed up as the problem. What is the problem? Well, there's, there's really two problems in the text. The first is these shepherds are no good. The people that are supposed to be looking after Israel are no good. They're doing two things out of their own selfishness. And this is, this is like leadership 101, right? This is helpful for, for any leader of any sort of thing. Um, you shouldn't act brutally towards your sheep. And then you also shouldn't be apathetic towards them. Does that make sense? Super simple, but there's a problem here. These shepherds are either brutal and harsh or they're completely absent. The brutal side Instead of tending their flock and caring for them, they feast on them. How horrific is that? What they were meant to do is care for their people, but what instead they do is objectify them and utilize them. They allow their sheep to lay down their lives for them rather than it being the other way around. Harsh, brutal, no justice is a description of these shepherds. The other side is they just act like the sheep don't exist anymore. They just don't care about them. The sheep get scattered by all sorts of things. Sheep, again, are not the smartest, and so they do get spooked by all sorts of stuff, and they just take off, right? And what do you have? Some shepherd that say, it's okay, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter where they've gone or what they're getting into. I just don't care. So on a practical side, don't be that kind of leader, all right? We'll just, we can come back to that later, but very simply, do not be brutal or harsh, and do not be apathetic. If you have been entrusted to lead anyone, there is a better way than that. There's a better, more loving, more personal way that you can lay down your own life for your sheep rather than having them lay down their lives for you. We'll get back to that. The second problem is this. People are like sheep. Are you like a sheep? It's okay. You are. (laughs) You're like sheeple, right? Dad jokes. I've got two kids now, so I'm growing. Dad strength. I'd show you a picture of the second one, but I've, we haven't taken any. We just forgot. Second kid, you know? <laughs> scripture calls us sheep a lot. And I, I do think um, Scripture gives us a lot of pictures of, of what humans are like. And so that's not the only one that we have to spend our time on. But there's something about us that makes us... Uh, like sheep. We are relatively defenseless, right? We're, we're extremely vulnerable as, as creatures. We actually are the most vulnerable the longest in terms of getting to self-sustaining in terms of creatures. Like we are, you know, prolonged adolescence is a thing. Like we take forever to stand up and find our own food. And if you watch any like farm animals, they're just like, they come out and they're like, where's the grass? I'll walk to it myself, right? It's, it's wild. But instead, we as humans are like, I'm super needy for a really long time. I need people to take care of me. Not to mention, we are not, again, have I already said this? We're not that smart. I'll just speak for me. Um, I can't even invent new sins. I just do the same ones all the time. I was watching this video the other day and there's this sheep. It's a sad story. It opens up. I'm telling you, there are so many sheep videos. If you just, it's absurd. There's this sheep that dove into a crack, but there's like mud in it. You probably saw the other one where it's just a crack and he's stuck. This one, there's real mud. So he's like covered halfway with mud. And it's so sad. And it, 
No, but instead, you know, the, 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 the shepherd's in there. He might even be just a guy who saw him on the road. And he's like, that's so sad. But he walks in and he's getting all muddy and he finally yanks him out of the mud and he tosses him up onto the flat ground. Woohoo! Sheep is saved. What does the sheep do? Like straight in, head first, back into the mud. How sad that that's what I do all the time, (laughs) that I don't invent new stuff or find new mud puddles to get dirty in. I find the same ones. Jesus pulls me up and he's like, Tanner, sin is bad because it hurts you, man. Stop doing it. I love you. It's flat and dry. Go get dried off. And I'm like, all right, cool. Right? Like straight back in it. It's so frustrating. We look at other people and we judge them so harshly. We're like, look at that guy getting into that same old sin. As if you don't do it all the time. So maybe I can't speak for you, but I can certainly speak for me. I am, I am a sheeple, right? <laughs> like, I just do it. Which, and, and here's the other thing. That's gonna change somewhat, but it's not gonna change totally. <laughs> like you're gonna wrestle with sin your whole life. And so the the plan is not for you to become a shepherd necessarily and just be your own savior and get better on your own. It's that you need a good one. (laughs) Like you need a really good one who knows your tendencies, who knows the mud pits that you love to go swimming in and does his absolute best to encourage you away from those things and use his shepherd's staff or hook or whatever the heck that thing is and yank you away. Sometimes sheep are dealt with harshly because they need to be. So listen to another sermon and the pastor said, honestly, the way that sheep got back to their pen is that they had to drop them on the ground, hog tie their legs and throw them over their shoulder to get them back. Otherwise they'd run off. Guilty. <laughs> like I really need to be hog tied at points and drug away from the things that my heart so desperately thinks it wants when truly those things lead to death. I need a good shepherd. And so God speaks to Israel and he says, listen, I know that these are the problems that face you. You have bad shepherds who don't care about you. They're selfish in every way. They brutalize you and they act like you don't exist, but you need a good shepherd. And so section two is this prophecy and this promise that comes from the mouth of God to his people. Again, this long section where God's outlining, he's drawing a picture. This is what the Messiah is going to look like. He's gonna be wonderful beyond your wildest imagination. We gotta use metaphor to help you understand it. God says, I myself will draw near and care for my sheep. I myself. He goes on to say, they've, they've been scattered, right? The book of Ezekiel crosses over uh, the space of exile and not exile, but what we're pretty sure this section was written in terms of the church in exile, And so they're scattered into foreign nations. And he says, I'm gonna go get them. I'm not apathetic. I'm gonna go after my sheep and draw them back and bring them home. I'm gonna bring them into their own land. They're going to feast on the fields of Israel's mountains and in their valleys. I'm gonna scare away the savage beasts and make it a safe place for them to lie down and to rest because I love my sheep. He will not neglect them. He will not brutalize them because they're his and he cares for them. And he goes on to get even more specific about this Messiah character in verses 23 through 25. Let me read those for you. He says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. 
He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. Remember, this whole series is is about Jesus in the Old Testament. And what we get each week is a new little picture of what this Messiah will be. And honestly, I've got a bone to pick with Dr. Swanson because he let the cat out of the bag. He called it Jesus in the Old Testament. There's the punchline. You show up every week, you're like, what are we gonna talk about, Jesus in the Old Testament? It's like, yes, darn it, of course we are. So for those of you that are like, I get it. I don't even need to really be here. I know all this stuff already. Let me invite you to a different way of thinking this morning. Here it is. There's a lot of rational stuff in scripture that helps us connect the dots, and that's a gift. It's making it make sense. But I've told you before that the story and metaphor and pictures, those are all the language of the heart. God cares about your brain. He also cares about wooing you into a loving relationship with him. So today we have this picture of a shepherd. It's a different picture than the king picture last week. And we're gonna get more pictures throughout the Old Testament. But I want you to consider this, that this is the great kindness of the living God to make himself known to us in all the ways that we really need that are they're below him, if you will. He has to condescend to like make himself make sense to us. Does that make sense? Here's how I see it. I've got a three-week-old at home. His name is Gus. I truly don't have a picture of, and I am, feel guilt about that. I feel like I should have shown you a picture of my son. He's great. Do you think he knows me as dad? Nope. Hard to tell what he knows. Probably not a lot. I think the the real thing that he knows more than anything in the whole world is his own needs. He knows when he feels dirty. He knows when he feels hungry. He knows when he feels lonely. I can use words to talk about that in my own life. I can ask friends to get me a glass of water. I can ask friends to draw near. I can ask my wife for time with her to to heal some of the, the pain that I feel over my dirtiness and my hunger and my loneliness and all these sorts of things. Gus can't do any of that. Now, as an adult, what I could do is say, hey man, I'm not gonna really pay attention to you until you get on my level. I'm gonna let you be until you grow up a little bit and then we can talk about it, right? How many parents have used that before? Just use your words. That's not fair, he's three weeks old. (laughs) I transcend his understanding of the world. I'm bigger, larger, more complex. Now, I could take that as a reason to distance myself from him. You're not on my level. Is what it is. Or I am compelled by a father love that I've never felt before. And instead of using that as an excuse to create distance, I actually labor over how I can make myself available to, able to care for, to communicate love in all the ways that he needs. So I draw near. When he screams, what does that normally do to someone who is not their parent? 
gosh, someone's kid's going crazy. Someone needs to handle that, right? As, as a parent, it draws me close. To him, I am not a dad and my wife is not a mom. We are the cleanup crew. We are a milk jug. We are, you know, all, all the stuff that meets his needs. And we trust that our closeness and our perseverance in revealing to him our love for him will draw him closer and closer to us to where he understands one day how much we love him and how badly we want him close. So I've already called you sheep and now I'm calling you babies. Because you are very much like my son Gus in this and so am I. The Lord cannot reveal all that he is to us as creatures but he reveals what he can in ways that we can understand. And he offers us stories and metaphors to woo our hearts closer and closer to his. Some metaphors will speak more profoundly than others into your own life because you did not realize that you needed so badly some wounds that you had to be healed over the idea that you've never had a good shepherd. How many of you have had people in your life who were either apathetic towards your existence or brutal towards you in terms of how they treated you? I'm sure you have. We've all had relationships like that. All that, that felt like they wounded us at such a deep level. And can you imagine just for a second that the Lord would know that about you? He would know the pain that you felt, whether you got yourself into it or if someone pushed it on you. And he would know how, how much joy there would be in you understanding him as a good shepherd. And imagine this, that he doesn't stop at this promise and prophecy, but he gives us the person of Jesus. And in John 10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus in the Old Testament, it's a picture of what the people need. A good shepherd who is not brutal and does not objectify, does not have better things to do and leaves you alone to your own devices, but is personal draws near, is intimate, cares for you deeply. Maybe some of you walked in this morning and didn't realize that you needed to know Jesus like that. But he gives us so many ways to connect a vision of who he is to who we are and continues to long to draw us close. You may remember that as he described the poor shepherds in Ezekiel 34, he said that those shepherds would lay down their sheep's lives for their own good. They would literally feast on them. 
But Christ has not come to say, I am the good shepherd, I lay my life down in metaphor, but he did it for real. He assumed human flesh and for the joy set before him, went to the cross that he might die the death that you should have died, that you might live with him. There is no other love like that, friends. There's nothing so wonderful, nothing so peaceful, nothing so reassuring as the good news of Jesus Christ who would allow nothing to be a barrier between his love for you and your presence with him. So what do we do? If that's what's true of us, how then shall we live? The first thing is this, uh, the Lord guides us into green pastures. That's what the Psalm says in Psalm 23, right? He has a place for us. He, he wants us to find daily bread, daily sustenance, daily presence with him. He's, he's walking us into places. So wherever you are in life, it's no accident. Wherever you are, God has you there and he's not left you. Let me remind you today that you have a good shepherd. Even if you have some bad ones in your life, you still have a good shepherd. So trust that wherever he has taken you, it's, it's on purpose this morning. Second, how do we relate to other people? How, I bet many of you lead people. Show of hands, is that too vulnerable? Uh, okay, some people lead people in here, great. <laughs> don't be brutal and don't be absent. Don't be brutal and don't be absent. Follow the way of Jesus. Lay down your life for your sheep. I'll leave it at that. Another application point in terms of people is... Um, be okay with being a sheep. Like be, be like content with that. And live a life that reveals that you're content with that. Like that it's okay that you have dependencies and vulnerabilities and that you need a good shepherd. Most of us treat life as if we've got it all under control, right? I can do it. I don't need any, any advice. Until you go to Amazon to read 30 reviews on what sort of t-shirt you're buying or something. Like you are literally looking for shepherds in every facet of life. No more than when you have a new child. Do you know how many things I've Googled to try to figure out if both of my kids are okay? And then when the big questions of life come, like how to live a life of, of fullness and meaning, you're like, I can handle that. I can't even buy toilet paper without reading some reviews, but I can handle, you know, life's largest issues. That's so silly. Be okay being a sheep. Boast in it, actually. Not me, but Christ who lives in me. Be okay with it. Tell other people, hey, do you know the way to the good life? Submission and dependence upon a living God. That's being a good sheep. It's okay. I know I called you dumb. I'm sorry, but you are a little bit. And we need good shepherds. We need the good shepherd who cares for us and guides us and offers forgiveness time and time Again, and then finally, learn how to delight in the presence of the living God. He's a shepherd who is never far off. David said in Psalm 23, we read it for a call to worship this morning. This is King David. He had the, the most on his plate in terms of responsibility. He had screwed up in a ton of ways. 
not being a good shepherd. But he prays. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's not a promise about the end of life. That's a promise about every day of life. Because David knew his dependency on the good shepherd. He knew it so well that he reached out and he said, be with me as you've promised because I need you, Lord. Oh, I need you. Friends, that's the kind of sheep we ought to be. Let's pray. Lord, you are so gracious toward us in painting a hundred pictures to try to help us know who you are. Give us different stories and and different metaphors to connect to, reminding us that you want to offer your love and your kindness and your healing from all the things that we have struggled with and experienced in this life. And so God, I pray that you would draw near to my friends today. Those who didn't realize they needed a good shepherd and didn't realize they were feeling so alone until they've heard something this morning that made them realize, oh my goodness, how badly would I love to have a, a good shepherd in my life? Oh, Jesus, would you draw near and keep us from our sin? Keep us from breaking ourselves upon your law and finding our way into things that only lead to death and destruction. And instead, would you guide us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake? Offer us mercy and grace and goodness all the days of our lives. And oh Lord, please do not turn your back on us. We're so grateful for the person and the work of Jesus and the way that he draws us close. It's a gift beyond anything we can understand. But we're so grateful that it's ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.